Hello, and welcome to the Trail and Adventure Motorbike Podcast. With me, Clive Barber, and my good mate, Noel Tom. For the days when you can't ride your bike, there's always the Trail and Adventure Motorbike Podcast. Welcome back to the second part of the Trailside First Aid Podcast with Ollie Moto. We jump straight into pain relief and then get on to some of the more common motorcycle injuries and how to deal with those from a first aid perspective. Hopefully you enjoyed the first episode and you're back for more. It's good stuff, this. Don't forget, get yourself some proper first aid training. At the moment, we've talked about loads of like, are people really injured and dying and stuff? Your mate has a crash and he's broke his leg. Don't forget to give some pain relief. So if you've got some paracetamol on you, the earlier you give them something like that, paracetamol you can tend to give to most people. Something like paracetamol, even just oral paracetamol, it's really good. It will help prolong pain relief. We chatted about this the other day, didn't we? Because I, I can't remember if it was you I was talking to or somebody else, but obviously the normal dose of a paracetamol is, is two tablets, right? Yeah. Which, if you've broken your leg or you know your collarbone, isn't really going to dent the pain, is it? Can you give more paracetamol to somebody? I'm going to move close to the mic here and say no. Do you know what? I had, I had four ibuprofen today because I had a headache. Is that not the right thing to do? No. Had you eaten some food beforehand? Yeah, I'd had some toast. Even I know that's bad. Don't ever give more than on the packet. It doesn't work like that, painkillers. So to put that context onto that, I can give IV paracetamol, so into people's veins, and I give exactly the same dose. So two tablets is, is a gram of paracetamol, and the IV paracetamol I'd give someone is a gram of paracetamol. It just works a bit quicker because it's, it's IV, so it's in, into their veins, so it, the body absorbs it quicker in simple terms. And to put context, so people think drugs like paracetamol and ibuprofen are useless drugs, or if anyone in America is listening, like acetophenamine is paracetamol. They think they're rubbish drugs because you can buy them at the shop, but they're actually really good drugs. Caution, so like ibuprofen, you need to have a full stomach or you can cause yourself problems. But they're great drugs. I can give oral paracetamol to people and I have done as a paramedic because they do work. So don't don't discount them. Just just pop two. If you broke, you fall off your bike and you break your arm, take two paracetamol, it's going to help you out in the long term. And if I give someone IV paracetamol, their pain score comes all the way down. So how, how much pain they say they're in will come down a quite mm. a lot. I've always thought paracetamol and ibuprofen are just one of the two drugs that actually do work. I've taken so many other drugs for nausea and all kinds of things in my life that have done very, very little. They're the only two that seem to be guaranteed to do exactly what they promised. And they're really good drugs. We carry them on the helicopter and they're they're different drugs. They do they're pain they're both analgesic analgesic drugs. So analgesic mm-hmm. they work differently. So you can take them at the same time, two paracetamol and two broken if you wanted. I sometimes take paracetamol before I go out on my bike, just in case. <laughs> Aches and pains. Preemptive medication. Prophylactic, you got, yeah. You've got a triangular bandage around your neck. You've got a tourniquet <laughs> around your arm. <laughs> I'm really hoping that that came across in, in some sort of logical context. It's hard to do it on a podcast. But let's, let's summarise that bit, and then I'm going to get another beer, and then we'll carry on. So, right, talk to me. Right, primary survey then. What's the acronym, Noel, for the primary survey? Noel? Uh, Doctor, Doctor ABC. Nearly, so doctors. Doctors ABC. Yeah, and don't forget the little... With an extra C. The little C, doctors C ABC. So what's the D, Clive? It's danger. Make sure there's no danger. You can cross the road safely. You're in a safe position. Yeah, exactly, and the patient as well. So if they're face down in in a ditch full of water, then obviously get them out of the water. The R's for responses, just get an idea of the response. What's the S, Noel? It was the S for safety? No, what would we right? If someone's had an accident, who do we need to call? Don't say ghost. Uh, well, the the emergency services. What's well, not S, is it? 
Send, send for help. Yes, oh, right. God, the worst student. Send That's for terrible, help. Terrible, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I work in the woods. I'm not used to being tested. Yeah, but you work with chainsaws. You, you should. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. This is it's, ideal it's, for it's, you. The next one, I was going to ask Clive, but you can have the next one then, Noel. So, because uh, if you work with chainsaws, what's the little C that we talked about a lot? Uh, and it's not the little C. Catastrophic bleed. Catastrophic bleed. Catastrophic, yeah. Catastrophic bleeds. Bleed, yeah. And how do we stop a catastrophic bleed, Noel? Uh, with um, direct pressure. Yeah, with direct pressure. Or if that's not working with just our thumbs, uh, ideally we'll stick a trauma bandage in, which should work. And if that doesn't work, if you've had your training, then you can go to tourniquet, but make sure you get some training first. Okay, then we move to A for... Airway. What do we do if someone's making a snorry sound or they sound like their airway's blocked? We head tilt, chain lift. Yeah, so I don't know if I was clear enough earlier. Make sure you need to take the helmet off, and they need to be on their back for that, obviously. They need to be lying on their backs. You need to roll them onto their back. Head tilt, chin lift. Right. Or we can do a jaw thrust. Or a jaw thrust. Yeah, labour intensive. So we've done A. What's next? Breathing. How do we check for breathing? Uh, you've asked me this already. Exactly. It's a refresher. <laughs> this is how training works. You tell them what you're going to tell them, you tell them, and you ask them what you told them. That's interesting you said that you you put your cheek to their mouth to see if you can feel it. I always thought that it would be your lips would be more sensitive than your cheek. I've heard people saying about wetting their cheek, but I, no, don't do that. Wet your finger, that's for seeing where the wind's blowing. Uh, and looking down their chest, the two breaths every 10 seconds that's very memorable that was a good bit of advice good yeah two breaths in 10 seconds look listen yeah. excellent mate well done uh if then if they don't make two breaths they they it's not two what do we do yeah good go to for cpr okay and for cpr what's the rate 120 two per second yeah yeah two per second and how many chest compressions do we do straight away you do 30 yeah and how many if you're going to do breaths how many breaths do you do two every 30 compressions 30 breaths, so, sorry, 30 compressions, two breaths. Yeah, yeah. right. Centre of the chest, third of the chest. We haven't talked about bleeding yet, but we'll talk about that in a little while. That's why I've left it out. And then, yeah, we talked about, remember to communicate with your patient, keep them warm. That's in, we've, We covered it briefly, but actually it's a really important point, is keeping the patient warm. If, you, if you're not in a hospital, anything before the hospital is called pre-hospital medicine. There's a lot of pre-hospital medicine, medical studies, all about hypothermia and keeping patients warm and a lot of them say that you'll never warm a patient up unless like a, pro a properly cold patient you'll never properly warm them up unless they're in hospital with all the stuff they can do like big warming blankets and stuff but you just want to stop them from getting cold so insulate them from the ground wrap them up in something you want to keep them properly hot and to put context on that because i want to lean on this a little bit more when i'm in my helicopter we wear immersion suits which are quite warm and if someone's hypothermic i get them on the aircraft we put all the heaters on so i am really fucking hot at this point and uncomfortable but i'm not important am i unless i'm going to pass out then that'd be bad mm. but we, we want to make sure these people stay warm because it stops them from dying all right so keep them warm and don't forget if it's a minor thing so we've gone all the way down major major cpr -y stuff don't forget your pain relief right we spoke about lots of very in-depth medicine for ages so we so i'll tell you some bike stories so oh i can well i can tell you about my injuries i don't think noel's ever had any but i can tell you about mine if you want yeah go on then go on you jump in i have had two very significant no one very significant one quite significant motorcycle accidents first one was when i was 16 on an fs1e not really looking where i was going somebody parked the car on the road ridiculously and as I'm riding along towards the car at 28 miles an hour, not looking where I'm going, suddenly 
realised I'm going to smack into the back of this car, tried to avoid it, and I did avoid it with my motorcycle, but not with my leg. So it snapped the two, my two shin bones, which whatever they are called, clean in half. Very clean break, both bones. Didn't feel it when I did it. Went to stand up, and obviously the bone pierced the skin where my uh, calf took the weight of where my foot should have been, and obviously I, I fell over straight away. And then it really started to sting. Yeah. That was really nasty, really, really horrible. And do you know what I wanted to do? Um, basically, there was an off-duty copper came along and he just said to me, sat me down, he did all the, the calm voice talk to me and he said, what would you like me to do? And I went, I'd just like you to hold my foot still because it, the bone keeps clicking and that's really, really, really horrible. And unfortunately, it was, in a, it was in a city, so the ambulance was there really quickly. And then the second one was got my wheel in a big what are they called wadis anyway crack in the ground in morocco wheel went in it was about four foot deep tried to get the front wheel up to get out of it didn't make it went over the handlebars landed on my shoulder didn't break my collarbone but it ripped all the tendons off the end of the collarbone that really stung that was quite funny because i went to the nearest hospital in morocco was four hours away bumpy four by four ride back to the nearest hospital which was closed <laughs> but then they rang they knew where the doctor lived they rang him up he came in did an x-ray it was one of these old enameled x-ray machines he just came out and went no it's fine nothing's broken and i'm thinking there's a bone sticking up there <laughs> something's definitely not right <laughs> no nothing's broken i mean what do i do then just well he just went just leave it in a sling for a bit until it stops hurting two paracetamol uh, i might have had four that day <laughs> treat. but obviously i know now not to do that came home and funnily enough he was dead right actually they went well you know we can we can operate in a couple of years if it's still hurting but yeah effectively that's you know until the once the pain's gone away keep it moving kind of thing and i decided after about a year i had the surgery to reattach the tendons to the bone and they cut the end of the bone off and reattached the tendons and i remember saying to the doctor and when, when can i ride my bike again he went oh straight away it's <laughs> like all right he went, yeah but don't fall off for about three months <laughs> <laughs> I reckon, uh, I reckon Noel hasn't got any because he doesn't fall off. No, he does. We've got it on video. He fell off. Mine was the last time I fell off. It was, uh, I remember it well, it was 1986. And I was riding up on the fell near where I live. And it was just open fell land. And I had a camera bag. I had a rucksack on my back, but I had all my camera gear in it. And as I started to fall off or go over the handlebars for some reason, because I was on a trial bike, it was all sort of lots of peat bog. My only concern was to not land on my camera gear. So I landed very awkwardly and broke my collarbone. Um, but then I had to ride back. I was kind of like an hour and a half into this ride on a trial bike and I had to do the hour and a half back with a broken collarbone, which was a little bit painful. But that, that was, that's that been my only injury on a bike and my only fall, <laughs> apart, from that, apart from that muddy one in Spain, but no injury. Did you take paracetamol yeah. or fall? I didn't, no. <laughs> Never thought. Clear this up because people are going to get confused in this podcast. Two paracetamol, no more. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. That's it. I've never, I was going to say, I've never broken a bone. I've only ever broken a collarbone. That's it. Have you had bad accidents, Ollie, on your bike? So, I've had, I mean, I've fallen off a lot because if you ride off road, you do, don't you? So, if you go to YouTube and type in Ollie Moto uh, and then type in how not to trail ride, there's a video of me breaking my shoulder. That was a, that's such a rubbish crash as well. So, my theory with crashes is, the faster you're going, the more you get away with it because <laughs> you just slide and you don't hit. So I was going really slow and I fell off on chalk. Chalk is my nemesis. I landed on my left shoulder and I had what is called an anterior dislocation. So my arm rolled oh. forwards. So it, my arm, if you if you grab hold of your arm and roll it forwards, it did that. So I put it back in. It, it came out two more. It's all, all on video. This it came out two more times trying to pick my bike up because when you stretch, oh my, my god, then they're weak. But basically, and then I rode for the rest of the day because I'm an idiot. Uh, I should have stopped. My advice is stop, go home, 
get a scan. That's my advice so what, to everybody. So, so you dislocated your shoulder. So I dislocated it. So if if you so your shoulder is a ball and socket joint, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So where the ball had come out of the front of the socket, it snapped the corner of the snock the socket off. Obviously, I didn't know this. So then for the next two weeks, I went back to work. I was dangling under helicopters with it. Yeah, because it wasn't that. Generally, it wasn't very painful. Uh, oh it, wasn't, it was at the time, but afterwards, it was just a like niggle. What does it feel like to dislocate your shoulder? Yeah, I'm, that one wasn't that bad because it was just an easy dislocation. If you see the ones where people have their arms wrapped up around yeah. their necks, then they they haven't dealt with a lot of those. They're very painful for people. But but is it is it just a is it a really intense pain or a stinging pain? Yeah, it's just an intense the, for the people I've treated. It's an intense pain that if you move it half a millimeter they'll squeal. So they just oh. it still until it gets put back in. But my advice for anyone who dislocates their shoulder or thinks they've dislocated or or, or falls off and thinks they might have broken anything, exactly as Clive did, the first thing you should do, this is Ollie the medic talking, mm. go to hospital or go to a miner's unit and get a scan, get an x-ray, because twice now I've broken bones and twice I've delayed getting an x-ray because I'm an idiot and I think I know better and it's caused problems in healing so just go and get a scan check yeah. but i've seen my point of asking what injuries had is because this is should be relevant to biking i go on a lot of adventures olimoto uh on youtube have a look mm -hmm. and on every major adventure i've been on and by major i mean like the big ones abroad somebody's hurt themselves so well i remember asking you about this on a previous podcast and you said it yeah. follows you around like a dark cloud oh, of course we spoke about this yeah I'm yeah not repeat myself yeah so no no no, it does. So, yeah, Road to Morocco, the episode nine is called Ankle. Hey, funny enough, someone hurts their ankle in that one. Alan, and he takes six ibuprofen, tries to blame me for it. No, <laughs> I only told you to take two. Uh, <laughs> and then Common misconception, you see. Road to Hat, uh, I can't remember what episode, but Gav fell off and hurt himself. And Road to Morocco again, someone hurt themselves. Mm -hmm. like we came across a big bus accident where loads of people have been slung down the mountainside. I always come across injuries. In fact, this French one we didn't, which was good, but... Mm -hmm. Bike is dangerous. I'd never say not bike, but people just need to remember it is risky what we're doing at bike. Yeah, yeah. Because car drivers are idiots and they knock us off. But so it, it is worthwhile learning this stuff because it's quite easy to fall off and hurt yourself. Yeah. Before we get back into it, I've got some some questions from our um, Patreon people. Oh, you've got questions, have you? Yeah. Some of them aren't entirely serious. <laughs> this, you'll, <laughs> you'll like this one. You'll like this one because it'll give you a chance to tell us about your... Um, your uh, professional medical stuff. Is there any recommended off-the-shelf first aid kit he'd recommend uh, to get to carry on a motorcycle? The short answer is no, but the, the reason for that is, and this isn't meant to be a self-plug by any means, is there's a lot of... Well, I was giving you opportunity no, no, to self-plug, so plug, take it. I will plug a bit. So if people don't know, through my company, I sell first aid kits. The Motorcycle News Dispatch team use my first aid kits, etc., etc., and I sell stuff in different worlds. So I help out different people doing things, but... Well, the reason I'd like to get more into the bikes is because I don't think there's a very good first aid kit on the market at the moment. And this genuinely isn't me trying to get sales for myself because this isn't my income, but uh, my main income. But a lot of the first aid kits you'll find, the problem with them is they're not very suitable. So you might go to Boots and get yourself an adventure kit and you'll find that it's probably just full of a lot of bandages. They bulk stuff out of bandages because people go, wow, it's got loads of bandages in it, but it's not that useful. There are some motorbike first aid kits, and I'm not going to mention any of them. You can try and find them yourselves. And the reason I'm not mentioning them mentioning them, is because I don't think they're very good. In fact, that they're very expensive, and yeah, businesses have got to make money, but they fall into two categories for me. They're either full of superfluous rubbish, which is normally bandages, or they, uh, they've got really like glossy looking packaging and stuff so you think oh wow this looks cool but actually they're not very useful so i am developing one yeah so i, I could tell you one right now but i just try to find the right bag for it but i mean it's, it's a good one for your your listeners if people are generally interested in me bringing the first aid kit to the market i was hoping to 
do it elsewhere, but it didn't quite go to plan with some other people. But I'd, I'd like to get a first day kit on the market and I'm not looking to make loads of profit on this. That's just useful for people. So I could look into it. It's a bit of work for me. So if there's genuine interest, then I'll definitely do it and get one brought out. But you've you've got a crowd you've got a crowdfund this, Ollie. This sounds brilliant. Honestly, if people want a first aid kit, I've been asked for this a lot, but you know, it it, it takes a lot of time and effort to sort this stuff out. But if people yeah. want one, I can definitely crowdfund and get one yeah. brought out. Like I said, I don't, I don't want to get into company politics here. I tried to do this before and it didn't quite go to plan because when money gets involved in things, it can all get a bit funny, kind of. But yeah. I want to get a good product on the market as the medic that I am, I want people to look after themselves and that. Being able to look after yourselves comes with a knowledge. Go and get yourself some decent training. I can also offer that if you need it, uh, or go and do a biker down or something. Uh, and B, having the kit, you need to have the kit now, don't you? So, but are you saying that you? Just to be clear, are you saying that you sell a first aid kit now, but you're going to produce a better one? So, well, no. What I'm saying is, I could sell one now, but I haven't yet because there hasn't. I haven't uh, advertised really. Right. I sell. I do sell lots of stuff in different worlds, but as far as the biking world goes, yeah, I've dealt with a couple of companies like Wheels Morocco, MTN, people like that. But um, I think you're missing a real trick here. Real, you should definitely do. Yeah, because yeah. I think you would be the go-to person for just this bit of kit. Well, I like to think I know what I'm talking about when it comes to yeah. medicine, but. Yeah, but equally, mate, like, it's hard, isn't it? It's hard to sort it's this. It's not. Come on, I can see it already. It's got your little logo on it. I'm, <laughs> I'm buying it, and I don't normally buy this kind of thing. Well, I'll tell you what, then. I'll do your deal, right? Because I, I generally I'm just interested in helping out the biker world, uh, and it needs to be beneficial for me, obviously. But your listeners then, Clive, get them to message in. You can put a poll. What sort of first aid kit do they want? Do they want it's, it'd be easy for me to make one that goes inside your panniers. To make an external one that's waterproof is a bit more work, isn't it? But... If you want an internal one, I could sell you that tomorrow. Yeah, send us a send us a PM either to us or to Ollie, and we'll um, we'll gauge the interest and we'll. we'll... If you're interested, I'll start. Uh, let's get some kits on the market. Yeah, so, I love it. I love it. So that that first question was from Adam. We got another one from Adam, which is a really stupid question. Adam, does he find people ride differently? at all if they know there's a first aider in the group how would he fucking know that because he's always in the group that he's riding and he's the first aider actually it's a running joke in bodge tape adventures for those who, who know bodge tape are that i always forget to take a first aid kit with me so, <laughs> so normally when the other lads go well i've got a first aid kit and i'm like yeah i forgot to bring mine <laughs> all right there's another great question from adam obviously small bikes weighing less allows you to carry more first aid essentials but if you're misguided enough to ride a big bike on the trails, what items can you remove from your first aid kit to compensate for their ludicrous weight? Well, you've just answered that. You just forget to take your first aid kit at all, don't yeah, you? No, I forget to take mine, but that, that question's a load of bollocks, isn't it? Because big bikes, you can put more on. More on, yeah. Clever use of the word. Yeah, more, yeah, more on, more, mm. more on. Yeah, ride mm. a big bike, more on. <laughs> which, uh, which, Adam, which Adam was that, by the way? Because we know... If oh, guess. Adam EF. Yeah, of yeah. course it is. Hey, Adam E.F., how you doing, mate? <laughs> yeah. I think it's Adam F., actually, because oh, his surname begins with an F, right. yeah. Adam F. F. Okay, there's one from Christian. Slightly more sensible question. What are some items that could be included in a toolkit, as in bike toolkit, that also might help with first aid, e.g. <laughs> duct tape, zip ties, tyre irons for a splint, etc.? Bike is all about carrying things that have got multi-uses, haven't they? So yeah. duct, duct tape and stuff can be good, or they, mm, I mean, it might, might be handy, but... People, I've, I know of people that have used spanners as splints. That's a, that's a thing, isn't it? So tire iron for a long arm splint, perfect. If well, you could... your finger and you use a size eight little spanner, that'd be perfect, wouldn't it? With obviously wrapping some tape around it. Could duct tape not be used as a tourniquet? Then you wouldn't get it tight enough. Would you not? So tourniquets, when you're putting, I, I've intentionally not gone into detail on how to fit a tourniquet yeah. because I don't right. want people to get the wrong impression that they're now. No, but, but but there's a clue there. Yeah, yeah. Are you saying that? 
Yeah, but you need Tourna case go on really. So soldiers in Afghanistan who got their legs blown off and their limbs blown off, which is obviously very unfortunate. They complained more of the tourniquet being put on and the pain of the tourniquet than the actual blast injury. Right. Not all of them, but you know, because yeah, yeah. yeah. you have to put them on fucking tight because you're trying right. to pinch that artery. And obviously, you're squishing everything in between that's still alive at this point, yeah. isn't it? So it's pretty yeah. right. Yeah. Interesting. I feel like I gave a poor answer for the first aid kit when I should have went, Yeah, actually, you can come to Olimoto and get a first well, aid kit. I think this is the, this could be the birth of it. Do you want me to ask you again? Well, I don't know what to say. But yeah, just say yes, I'm going to get one out. I'm in the process of doing one. Ask me again. No, that was an interesting. I think they keep that in. That was an interesting conversation about that. I'm amazed, Ollie. You know, to me, it just seems so obvious that that is something. It's you really obvious. Do. So, is there any recommended off-the-shelf first aid kit he'd recommend to get to carry on a motorcycle? Well, we've sort of covered that. The the ones that are all right, I'm just going to. You just asked me to ask you again, so you could say, <laughs> "Yeah, I've got one." Oh, hang on, I thought you asked me a different How question. How pissed are you? <laughs> you just said no. Well, he said no. We've, we've yeah. done. Ask me again. Ask me again. <laughs> Um, you're right, Ollie. You're absolutely right. <laughs> is there any recommended off-the-shelf first aid <laughs> kit he'd recommend? He's the first one. To... Yeah, he's the first one. <laughs> the first one. <laughs> yeah, buy one off, Ollie. Yeah. He's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Right, that's it. That's, that's that's all the questions. Could I bring something up? That I don't know if this is a, the right time to ask. Shock. Can we talk about shock? Yeah. Because it's a term I think we've all heard. That somebody's going into shock. But I don't think... A lot of people, including me, really know what it means because that's obviously the literal. I think a lot of people take the literal meaning of it is that something shocking has happened to them. They found it so shocking that it's having a detrimental health on their, on their well-being. But it doesn't mean that, does it? But it was a subject of great debate on my first aid course. Who and did in the you end, first aid course with? Sorry to step. Oh God knows. As I say, it was years ago when it was. A, it was. I was just sent on it through my work, so I don't know who did it. Well, probably the Red Cross. Would that sound right? Yeah, they, they do a lot of training. They do good training. Yeah. But but the exasperated instructor on the day finally said, look, the best way I can sum it up is to say that it's a temporary, a temporary interruption of the circulatory system. Yeah. Is that what, what would you say about shock? Or how would you define it? Well, when whenever you do a medical course, they say that shock is inadequate perfusion to the tissues. So yeah, it's a temporary disturbance, as you've just said. I mean, there's shock's a massive subject. There's loads of different types of shock. So you've got cardiogenic shock which is a heart issue hypovolemic shock which is too little blood so that's sort of what we're talking about now so hypovolemic that's a medical term hypo means low volemic volume emic blood low volume of blood shock so that's sort of the one that you were talking about there but you can have anaphylactic shock septic shock you know, neurogenic shock so when someone gets a spinal injury they get a bang on the spine and they get pins and needles or loss of sensation. That's new. That could be neurogenic shock. There's all different types of shock. But when we talk about it in this context, if I can keep it simple, are we talking about if someone's had a big bleed or if someone's just in a state of like proper shock? Is that well, what, what does somebody's some... broken? A typical motorbike accident, maybe someone's broken their leg and. Or generally, what does somebody mean when they say somebody is going into shock? It depends on the situation. It's really hard to explain it in a simple way. exactly what it was like on the course. Well, let's say that someone's broken their arm. Your body's going to have a response to that. So you'll have a pain response. Uh, Let's say you've got a bit of bleeding. You're going to have a circulatory response. So your heart's going to start pumping quicker, blah, blah, blah. You you might get a low blood pressure. So you know when people faint and stuff, that can be a symptom of shock. Without getting too much into the weeds of it all, what I'd say to you is someone's had a big accident. So, right, here's a story for you. I was outside my house last year, around this time last year. And there's a roundabout near me and there's like a little ring roadie bit and people drive like 
fucking idiots because it's a ring road and i don't mind listening to them revving up and down the road because i like cars anyway i heard rum, 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 bang, whoosh, and then it all went silent so i ran up the road and there was there were two kids they had a nissan 350z they'd not seen this gigantic roundabout because it was pitch black and it was winter at this point it's cold so they'd hit it at like max max six 100 mile an hour launched the car ended up upside down in the trees it had fallen onto the roof and when i turned up as the first person there they were walking around in a state of shock, which is what you're sort of getting at. And they basically were dazed and confused and not acting logically. And there was a girl there before me, sorry, and she was she was saying, oh, I'm a first aid. And I said, that's cool. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take charge of this lot if you're happy. And I grabbed them both by the collar and I said, walk with me. And I sat them down on the ground because they were in a state of dazed and confused shock, which I think is what you might be alluding to. So what happens is they have a big crash. Your body fills yourself full of adrenaline. It masks a load of the pain so you can get your fight or flight and kick off a little bit if you need to run away and stuff. But then once that all settles down, like you would have witnessed, uh, experienced yourselves, then you start getting all the pain and stuff. So to sort of link to what you're asking, I don't want to get into exactly what shock is because it's not too relevant. But if someone's had a big accident, and we're not talking about CPR stuff, but they've broken their arm and they're dazed, confused, sit them down somewhere. Because when their body response tones like calms itself down again, when they come out of that initial accident shock, if we can call it that, you might find they faint or do weird stuff. So just sit them down and keep them calm and look after them, and keep them warm. These two kids said they were fine. Oh, we're fine. We're fine. We're fine. They weren't. They were in a state of shock. And I, I said, sit down because you're going to ache in a minute. No, no, no. Sit down. I'm not letting you get up. And then 10 minutes later, neither of them could move. They had spinal injuries because I'd lay them down because I expected all this was fine. Because then their body response calmed down a little bit and they started. Yeah. Neck really hurts. Oh, my back's really sore. Right, just lie still until the I kept them warm because it's cold. Until the actual ambulance people turn up. Seems like we need more than this single word shock to describe all these different things. Uh, no, it does. It it's, it covers a few contexts though, doesn't it? Do you know the Inuit have a thousand names for the word shock? <laughs> <laughs> and to be honest, mate, I waffled my way through your answer because I don't want to get too much into the weeds of it all. So the things we haven't covered that I wanted to cover were burns, broken bones traction and splinting yeah you, i think you met messaging about head and spinal injuries as well yeah and again it's kind of like well what the fuck can anybody do apart from get an ambulance there but i suppose there is this is what first aid is there must be some protocol you can do for most of those things should we rattle through them yeah go on then right head injury not a lot you can do for it if it's a big head injury just leave their helmet on if you can because it supports their head and if they've just keep an eye out for things like concussion so a concussion is essentially a wallop to the brain and so just keep an eye on them and make sure they don't start to deteriorate. But other than that, you can't do a lot for head injury. Unless they're bleeding, then you can try and stop them bleeding, can't you? But mm. spinal injury. So I didn't so when we talk about the primary survey, airway normally has a it says with C spine consideration. So your C spine is your cervical spine, which is your neck essentially. And we're always worried about moving that bit because all the nerves for your breathing come out of that bit of your neck. So that's why we that's why you might have heard on your Grey's Anatomy or ER, whatever you're watching, oh, the C-spine, they talk about it all the time. With a spinal injury, what I'll say is if if you cannot move them, then don't move them. So if they're talking to you, but they're just in a crumpled mess and they're a bit sore, try not to move them. But if you have to move them, we try and get people into neutral alignment. So if you're going to have to roll someone over, support their head, so we're not twisting their neck. And we want them to be, if you imagine someone's laying down with their hands by their side on their back, face up, in a straight line, that's neutral alignment. Mm. But essentially... Don't move them unless you have to, unless you really have to, especially if you think they've got a spinal injury, okay, because we need to be careful of their spines. I mean, should we always should we always assume that somebody who's fallen off in front of us and if they've somersaulted and gone through yeah, a, yeah. a full TT thing, we should assume that there is a spinal injury. Yeah, you imagine them to have a, some sort of spinal injury. No. But, but like I said, air, but that's just a 
consideration spinal stuff if they're air, if they're not breathing if the airways occluded if they're bleeding if you need to do cpr then you do all of that stuff and ignore the spine right you know you can try and roll them gently if that makes sense but mm. uh fractures so if someone breaks their arm if it's a closed fracture and what that means is that the bone's still inside there's no like you talked about your your tip fib break your lower break where your bone came out if it's still inside the the arm or the leg uh just You'll find with fractures, people will hold their fracture where it's comfy for them. So if you can strap it to keep it in that position with a triangular bandage or just some Velcro straps, just or just get them to hold it, fine, just don't move it. Uh, just all you want to do is check that there's still blood. So I don't know if you remember from baby first aid courses, you'll put someone in a triangular uh, sling, then they'll get you to squeeze their finger now to see if the blood comes back, like little things like that. Um, if it's an open fracture, so the bones come out of the skin, then we need to be really concerned about infection. That's not like you can do on a bike if, unless you've got a first aid kit, but if you can dress it. So if you open a bandage packet, the inside of that packet is sterile, isn't it? So if you open it neatly and not touch it, then you can put the sterile bit around the wound to try and stop shit getting in and then tape it up or whatever to just try and keep it. Because that's what that's what plasters and, and bandages are all about. It's just keeping the wound clean, isn't it, really? Yeah, because we, we really worry about infection, especially fractures. So if you've got an open open fracture and a bone split and the bone marrow is showing i'm trying to use basic terms here then we w really worry about infection and as a as a paramedic you'll give someone an antibiotic straight away on scene or on the way to hospital to try and because there's studies that show that that helps them out in the long in the long run what about that wound wash stuff that i've got that's been in my bag for six months what's it look like iodine stuff is it no it's like a spray so that's for little wounds if someone's got a broken fracture uh, open fracture don't be squirting that stuff on but if they've got a little tiny wound then yeah that's just like an antiseptic isn't it so something Noel, Noel was saying before you, you joined on the call so he he's assumed since he was a child that plasters have some kind of magical ability to I'm listen I'm I, that is a, that's a lie and secondly I'm very <laughs> I, I'm very anti-plaster I always think of plas putting a plaster on something it's just going to slow down it's healing I'm all about exposing it to the air well it depends so plaster can stop Stop a bleed because it helps promote clotting because it's it, it's like a bit of direct pressure, isn't it? So it's magic. It's magic. It's got magic stuff yeah. in it. But then equally, I so what I'll do is if I've got a cut, I'll put a plaster on it. Or if I'm in the garage, I'll just get a bit of masking tape and wrap it yeah. on. <laughs> uh, and, and then once it's clotted, I'll take it off and let it breathe because then it, that's, it's going to dry out and heal. But you have to kiss the plaster as well, and it works better. Yeah. So blood cool. doesn't blood doesn't clot better when it's exposed to air. It's not about the air. No, it, there. not really mm. it, if you want something in the way it's like a bit of pressure on it okay i'm trying to keep it simple yeah, yeah. right uh, so that's that's fractures so just try not to move people's broken bones around because like slice it really hurts so just keep it still and then what do we want to give them if they're in pain T two paracetamol no more yeah I, i've said two percent but some sort of analgesia some sort of pain relief we haven't really talked about just normal wounds so we're not talking about big bleeds now but just little wounds just try and stop the bleeding and dress it like you would normally um we don't really wash out wounds anymore with water and stuff so don't do that just just dress them and stop more crap getting in whiskey pour whiskey over it whiskey and get warm, warm a knife over a fire <laughs> <laughs> we need to get onto snake bites as well in a minute <laughs> yeah, yeah and then burns burns yeah so burns are a big one on bikes and they so burns you want to cool them so they 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 say cool for 20 minutes and that's I mean, I don't know where you're going to get this when you're on your bike, but that's like lukewarm water, not cold water. So tepid water is what I'm trying to say. And you run it over because what the water's doing is carrying the heat away from the injury. So that's why you're supposed to do it for 20 minutes. And actually, if you burn, we're all terrible at this, but if you burn your finger on the oven, 
if you do actually run it under the tap for an actual 20 minutes, yeah. it will be better at the end of it. But what we all do is run it for a minute and go, that'll do. And then funnily enough, it still hurts, doesn't it? What you could do, what's good is burns. We really worry about infection again, because you've just damaged all of that skin. So it's open to the elements. So we tend to use cling film, actual cling film, but you don't wrap it round in a circle. And I'm saying all this stuff like you're going to be carrying on your bike. You might not have this stuff, but in case you did, you don't wrap it round because what the burns do, they swell. So if you've wrapped it around, you've essentially caused a tourniquet. Yeah. What we do is we put like a strip. If everyone holds their arm out in front of them and you imagine you lay a strip over the top that's cut either end, and then you get another square, let's say, and you put it underneath. So you've like made a sandwich and you can just right. do that to layer it. And that allows it to, to expand then when you swell. Cling film's great because it only sticks to itself. So it won't stick to the burn or the, the skin, but at each edge of your sandwich, it will stick to itself and keep the stuff out. Did you just say that water can be too cold or it's best if it's not very yeah, cold you can, you can here's a word you like you can shock the system again so if you've just had a burn and you put freezing cold water on it you'll you'll shock the body so you just want to put like not cold like that like they say tepid water yeah right, uh, right. but all, mate all this stuff's theoretical because you're not going to be you're not going to have a hose with you when you're on your bike are you so no, uh, but you, but you, you can get burns dressings so you can get so if i was to make a first aid kit uh, there'd probably be a burns dressing in it uh, and they have a special like gel in them that like takes heat away from the wound which is what you're trying to do but if i burnt myself and i was near a stream and the stream had a pool of water and it had some little waterfall it'd be best to put it under the waterfall rather than putting it in the still water. Yeah, because you want it to yeah. take the heat away. Take but equally, right. you've got to worry about infection there, haven't you? So if you're thought okay. it was, if you in the Alps and you thought it was clean, yeah, fine. But if there's a dead sheep just around the not, corner. Yeah, not the canal. Well, I think we've, we've got everything, haven't we? Ollie, that was really interesting, mate. I hope so. Really, Some really useful, interesting stuff in there. I've got one of my questions at the end. <laughs> Given what you know and what you've seen, what do you think about riding alone? Um, well, there's nothing to stop you riding alone. Loads of people do it successfully, don't they? You just got you just got to accept the fact, as we do when we're riding bikes, you just got to accept the fact that you've exposed yourself to a bit of injury potentially. But when you ride alone, do you feel? I mean, I don't ride any differently. I might I might do less tricky stuff. So if, if I was by myself and there was a really technical trail, I might not go up, but not because I'm worried about getting injured. It's because I ride a 990 and I'm worried about being able to pick it up again if it gets stuck somewhere. Ollie, you've given us some great advice tonight. Can I just give you some advice? Yeah. You shouldn't ride on your own. You're an idiot. <laughs> Is he putting the emphasis on you in that sense? Yeah. You want to be careful, Clive, because I've just made a movie where you... <laughs> oh, shit, yeah, I've got my you, <laughs> you tell me on a regular occasion that you think the big bikes are all legends and I can see you pining for it whilst oh, you're on your fuck. shit little bike. <laughs> you, got, you got me drunk, though, didn't you? made me say that. You know, I mean, you know, Ollie, I bought a big bike because of what you've said. Things mm -hmm. you've said yeah. because I am apparently I'm an influencer. So <laughs> there's just a few when we had that debate, there were just a few things that you said that really struck a chord with me, and one was kind of intimating that you know it's a pro it's not a proper motorbike unless it's a big bike. You really sort of got over that it's much more exciting riding a bigger bike. True, and these two things really got me thinking. I need to buy a big bike, and I bought a big bike as a result of you. It cost me a lot of money. Look at the power I've got, people. Yeah, yeah, incredible. Oh. Well, hopefully, hopefully that power relays uh, relays across to this one, and people go and get themselves some first aid training, which I can offer. Yeah. If you go to uh, if you go to .co.uk or if you go to nicemedical.co.uk, which is my medical website. Nice is spelled N-E-E-C-E. 
Well, the TRF never approached you to do something like this. No, but you got you got to remember, I, I charged for my training. And what I was about to say is that I can give you very comprehensive training for whatever you might need first aid training for, if you so wish. And this is what I do a lot because I am an educator. But equally, I would highly recommend just type into uh, Google and Clive mentioned it, biker down. And it's biker down at the end. There's normally an exclamation mark, but just type in biker down. They do them all around the country. They're free courses run by people they, that I've not done one myself, but uh, they, I've heard they're very, very good. And what I've heard they teach seems like good stuff and and relevant stuff. Mine was done by a bike riding paramedic. Yeah, exactly. So you, you don't know who's going to be doing it. So uh, get yourself some training because I mean, you don't need it till you need it, do you? And you don't want to be figuring this stuff out when you're. Mm. Uh, Without sounding dramatic, when your mate's dying in front of you, you don't want to be remembering what Dr. S-C-A-B-C is. You want to just do it, don't you? Yeah. I've got this little book as well. I'm going to put it in my first aid kit Yeah, and carry it with me. Yeah, yeah. You can get or, yeah, There's little first aid pamphlets you can buy. And Who knows, if I was to develop a first aid kit for everyone, maybe I'll stick one in there. But yeah. uh, they just give you the basics. So when you're panicking and trying to figure out what you're doing, it just gives you a bit of guidance. But I don't want people to – I hope this hasn't uh, – I hope this hasn't worried anyone. When you phone 999, they'll talk you through it. But you can't rely on a signal, surely. That's you know, No, you can't, but yeah. but equally, don't get yourself in too much of a tiz about it all because yeah. they'll just say, do this, do that. But yeah, I hope, I hope someone found this useful. Oh, God, that was amazing. But normally we just give each other shit and talk about popping wheelies through the forest, but actually I've been going, um, you need to apply a band. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've done a bit of both, haven't we? So it's all good. Clive once read out a lot of my Instagram posts back to me in that voice <laughs> and, and i tell you what i've never forgotten it because it really next time you do an instagram post ollie read it back to yourself in that voice because it really makes you reassess what you've written <laughs> that is such a good way to do it. <laughs> just honestly some of them you will just delete because you suddenly realize oh yeah that's a, that's a that's a shit thing to say yeah i sound really fucking boring <laughs> <laughs> how do we end this do we need to well you'll end it when you do your little bit at the end you'll pick out a little bit where one of us sounds really foolish and then it'll just finish i think we'll finish by saying thank you very much that was fascinating and i hope really useful as well and i think if if nothing else then it will encourage people to go and do a proper first aid course and to buy your first aid kit from mr niece himself yep i'm getting one when I I only found out you were doing this today ollie and when i was told we were doing a face first aid podcast i was like oh for fuck's sake what are we going to talk about? This is ridiculous. <laughs> so when I found out you were coming, I was like, oh, fuck, this is great. Now it's going to turn from something shit to something fantastic. Well, and, yeah. uh, when Clive said to me, uh, we're going to do a first aid, I was like, oh, mate, really? Because I I, cause I know this stuff, it feels boring to me. You know, yeah. It's like if you speak about your job, you're probably like, oh, yeah. Well, I'm sad now because I've got nothing else to tell you about. So, I mean, I've, there's no there's no reason to ever have me back on now. <laughs> no, I can't think of one. <laughs> we'll, keep, we'll keep mentioning you. <laughs> Look forward to the film, though. Yeah, well, I'm going to finish it now and do some voiceover now. As I've already said, a massive thanks to Ollie. I think that's really good stuff from him, and you never know, it might even save a life. So let us or him know if you would buy one of his bike, trail bike-specific first aid kits. The film he mentioned a couple of times was uh, go to Ali Moto on YouTube and there's one called Trail Riding in Wales, a.k.a. FOMO Festival. And while you're there, you might as well check out Full HD, which is basically, it's a whole series. It's like television quality content where they convert a Harley Davidson into an enduro bike. It's absolutely brilliant. Watch it. All right, 
That's it. If you enjoyed it, think about buying us a coffee or signing up on our Patreon. See you next time. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate your support. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And if you really appreciate what we do, you could consider supporting us on Patreon or buy us a coffee. Links are available on our website, which is tampodcast.com, tampodcast.com, where we also have a limited selection of branded stuff. But either way, please keep listening and spreading the word. See you next time.